Welcome into the Fairweather Podcast, where we discuss all things San Diego Loyal Soccer Club. The Fairweather Podcast is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. Hello. What up? Oh, I forgot my rap air horn because we started a little bit sad last time. So I forgot. I'm out of practice. So I'm just going oh, to make it happen. How are you doing, Marissa? I'm well. Thank you for asking. How are you, Alan? Good. Usually we ask Chris what he's drinking, but I'm going to ask Good. you, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking White Claw Raspberry. Ooh, but I think raspberry. I want to highlight this really cool glass that I have. Ooh, it's Hydro Flask. And it's like, that's real pretty. Doesn't, it's like, so the name of it's like um, our, a purple aura or mm. aura, however you want to say it. But yeah, um, I like nice. it because it doesn't have the condensation. You know, mm. to like leave it on my desk. Classic problem. What are you drinking? I am drinking, uh, it's called Chill State. It is from my favorite brewery in Minnesota in honor of our guest uh, from Fair State Co op Brewing. Uh, they had some beers for sale at Blind Lady, and anytime I see Fair State, I snatch it up. Um, I absolutely adore that brewery. Got to meet the uh, some people from that brewery through Modern Times. Uh, so anytime I see it, I buy it. So uh, tonight mm. I'm having some delicious yeah. beer from Minnesota. Yeah, and um, I can't wait for Chris to join. We might talk about what he's drinking after because we might be mm. full into our guest uh, feature, but... Uh, he tweeted out a teaser of what he's drinking. Uh -oh. so maybe he's like making a second round or something. <laughs> he's uh, he's going to make his fashionably late appearance. Uh, yeah. One thing before we bring in our guest, um, we do want to announce the Lou City ladies uh, have worked with the Plastics, Racing FC, uh, and Lou City FC, um, along with multiple supporters groups. They're doing a raffle uh, to support the St. Louis Crisis Nursery in honor of uh, the St. Louis Football Club uh, kind of doing their last game and their supporters groups have been significantly involved in raising funds for the St. Louis community. So they put together quite the prize package. Their scarves from all over the league, a bowling shirt from Ford Madison. Um, that ends tomorrow night at 9 p.m. local time, midnight Eastern time. So make sure you get in there. We'll make sure there it's in the show notes to link that to its $10 per entry. Well worth it. Raises money for good cause and is brought together the soccer community in the United States uh, to help support that. So go check it out. Uh, if you look up Blue City Ladies on the Twitter machines, uh, you can find that. I'm sure it's one of their tagged tweets or in their um, timeline. So go check that out. Go support that. Um, but without further ado, I know I'm super excited for this. Yes. Um, we kind of started our season with a, uh, a USL name uh, in Tyler Terrens, but I think we're going to step it up one more notch mm -hmm. and we're going to Kind of wrap up, I don't want to say wrap up our season, but kind of end the end of our first season with a awesome guest. Uh, he writes for The Athletic, uh, covering Ooh. USL, MLS. Um, we like to invite, uh, welcome in Jeff Reuter. Hi. Yeah. Wow. That just got right away. I wasn't sure yeah. if I'd have lead time or anything. <laughs> so I'm just sitting here, like, staring at election results still on my phone. Great. Uh, funny, Fair State. I know people at Fair State, too. Um, they have four brewers. One of them is married to me so um, oh yeah yeah it's really awesome. funny to see fair state out in the wild like that yeah we poured my wife and i poured for fair state at the festival of dankness like three or four years ago nice um 
and we hit it off with them. They were a great time. And then when I was out in Minnesota, we talked about this before with the checking out the uh, Minnesota FC game, mm-hmm. I did stop by the brewery and hung out with them and had a wonderful time. They had that little outside area. That's right. A bar- had a barbecue set up. Good stuff. Uh, it's a cool brewery. If you like beer, it's a really cool brewery to look up to. They are a co-op. Um, you can buy membership into their brewery. Um, it's delicious beer. And um, and they were also the first microbrewery in the United States to unionize. There you go. So recently, like within the last couple of months. So they're great. Check them out. Uh, Fair State Co-op Brewing. Cool logo, cool merch, and delicious beer. So, um, yeah. Welcome in. Thank you for giving us some of your time. Yeah. I'm glad I could plug my wife's business for her <laughs> with this episode. It's good. So we just want to start with your soccer origin story. What got you into not just writing, but just what got you interested in soccer and how did you start? Sorry, my chair was almost off the mat. That's why I suddenly look frantic there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I've when I was a child uh, and it really does start actually when I was a kid, because I grew up in a family that was a soccer family, not necessarily in terms of players or whatever dynasties anything like that but my um aunt was a d3 all-american goalkeeper she was an all-state goalkeeper like second team in minnesota i want to say when she was in high school the first team goalkeeper at the time was someone named brian Ascuri. you may have heard of her uh they were in the state title against each other they were in a penalty kick shootout the story goes within my family my aunt saved one shot scurry saved two ended up winning a world cup could have been chris anyway so that was a big <laughs> part of like me growing up and everything like I I vividly remember the 99 World Cup final and suddenly a bunch of like my parents and aunts and uncles hands thrown over my face as Brandy Chastain celebrates a goal that I never understood why uh, until much later in life. So that was uh, yeah I mean like that was just kind of a foundational part of it and I just stuck with it. I don't know I mean like I, I grew up and I had posters on my wall and there would be soccer posters just as much as they were Minnesota Twins, Minnesota Timberwolves, Vikings, whatever. So it it was always kind of part of my growing up offering of sports that I follow. And then uh, writing was always also an interest, just something like I would dictate books at the age of three to my grandparents when they would watch me and they would just write these books that my parents would probably just use a scratch paper. Uh, so yeah, I mean, like it was always those two things have been kind of constants as I was growing up following soccer, playing occasionally and uh, writing. And so I got a degree in playwriting in uh, from Hamlin University in St. Paul, Minnesota. And around the time I was wrapping up my degree, my brother moved back to the Twin Cities after finishing up his master's program in Chicago. And he was, uh, we were like looking for like just like something that we could do together just to kind of make the most of him being back. We weren't sure he's since put down roots in St. Paul, but we weren't sure yet. So we got season tickets to Minnesota United when they were still in the NASL in 2015. Uh, at that time, they were very cheap and you could like smuggle beer in. It's just the whole, like the beauty of second division soccer um, and, and I was standing in the stands with Jake, probably pretty intoxicated, just talking about either the match in front of us at halftime or something else. I'm a Bournemouth fan. He's an Everton fan. We probably find something to talk about. And all of a sudden this guy leaning next or standing next to me leans over and says, you know, Hey, it sounds like you know what you're talking about. And I said, thanks. I'm trying. And he said, you know, my, my podcast co-host, 
quit recently and I need to find someone to fill the gap until I can find a real host. So I was wondering if you could just like hop on for a week, whatever you live in St. Paul, we'll see how it goes. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds cool. So, so I go on this show called Two United Fans. I'm this interim guy. Uh, they get probably like one four or five star review on iTunes. And it's enough for him to say, you know what? You might be the real host. And that was probably my parents' review. But then I end up becoming the, the host. And that's how this all starts. Because I I mean, like I didn't do internships at papers. I, I reverse engineered, if you will, becoming a soccer writer where I wasn't someone who knew I wanted to go into sports writing and got assigned to soccer, which is something that will happen a lot. And a lot of people will welcome that. Like they'll have some background. They'll have either played or they'll see the opportunity in it and also understand the sport to a degree or they'll just be placed there. Mm. And it's any amount of that sort of thing. And, um, and then my, uh, yeah, a website reached out and they were like, Hey, do you want to write for us for a little bit? So I was writing for free and then other publications reached out and said, Hey, you should pitch us stuff and we'll give you money for that. And I said, that sounds a little bit better. So it just kind of built up and grew and grew and grew. And now I'm a staff writer at the athletic. So to speed that part up a little bit more, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's always been soccer and writing and I found a way to make a salary job off of both. And it's just stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've, I've had the opportunity to talk to some people out here who watched orange County football club back when they were like LA blues and the okay. stories they would tell about dragging like um, couches out to games and setting up by the corner flag. And just like yelling at players, taking corners because no one cared. No, it was yeah, it was way back in the day. No one. There was like eight people there, and you had to bring your own beer, your own beer, um, uh, your your own seats. Uh, so yeah. there's a little bit of I, I I think um some of us who came to USL later missed out on a little bit of that kind of magic of some of that lower division soccer. It still exists, uh, but not. I don't think quite that same level of tomfoolery if you will yeah i i think well what i would put it I, i'm sorry to hit you with a serious answer on something like that uh but like and this is me thinking off the cuff i i could be totally off base with this but i'm pretty sure that like all of that sort of tomfoolery that just kind of loose like laissez-faire let's just see how this goes let's all have fun that sort of stuff like the approach that's just like town baseball or whatever once the United States was part of that bid, which was awarded the Men's World Cup for 2026, I think that every single soccer owner in the country was like, hold on a minute. I maybe <laughs> should take this seriously so I can get a little bit of chunk of that sort of residual fall. And uh, they have all upped their presentation. The USL as a marketing machine has been night and day over the last three years in terms of how it brands itself, how it presents itself publicly. Um, it is much glossier than it was mm -hmm. certainly in that NASL USL era, by the way, it, no one thought about the USL and the NASL hemisphere. Like it wasn't close. The NASL thought it was closer to MLS than it was to the USL when you're going from one to three. So it, it's done some tremendous work. And part of that, of course, is NASL is not around anymore. You picked up their best clubs, their worst clubs, or the clubs that weren't going to match your ideology have gone to other leagues. Some have since come back like the Miami FC, but you still have the New York Cosmos floating out in the ether. You have Jacksonville Armada. No one knows what's going on with them, but they're not dead yet. So, yeah, that's that's a big part of it, too. But that is that is something that I think 
unfortunately, which I always have found to be charming about lower division soccer. And, and it's why like, I, I will always want to work some of it into my content where I can. Um, you lose that. And inevitably when you try to take yourself seriously and make yourself seem like you're not, you know, an accessible lower league club, but you're the professional club of San Diego, of Pittsburgh, of Louisville, of Tampa Bay, whatever. Once you're saying we are the top level of professional soccer and you just do that little coding shift and neither is a lie. I don't know why I'm holding a pen and neither of those <laughs> is like inaccurate. Neither of those is really, it's, it's just the comfort thing. Maybe I don't know. Uh, why would I be anxious this of any weeks? I have no under I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think that once you call it something else by the same name, but you shift around the letters, like it sounds different and it's going to have a different meaning and it's going to put priorities in a different order. And I think it's that sort of just like, uh, let the fans mess around and have fun. That's what has fallen by the wayside in more stadiums than, uh, frankly, I'd care to see, but I don't know. I'm not necessarily the person who's going to be investing millions of dollars into this thing either. So I completely understand it. My perspective of importance is going to look very different than, uh, you know, owners of USL clubs or MLS clubs. Nice. Yep. Yeah. I'm a fun <laughs> guest. I'm sorry. You're talking no, about couches and soccer games. It's fun. I'm like, well, actually, if it wasn't for the World Cup being awarded. Like, so, yeah. Great. I mean, but I think it's for San Diegans, it's we're new to USL in general. So there's a lot of learning going on, both what is USL? What was soccer at like a lower level like? Because there were some folks around the area, like Marissa was involved in some lower league soccer before yeah. Loyal came around. So there were some folks MPSL. involved. Right, MPSL. MPSL is still a thing. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. A lot. Some of us are navigating that. We want there to be a future, but also like learning about that history and where the sport came from so quickly. Um, so I appreciate that perspective. Yeah, it has been quick. And it's, I think a lot of that history gets lost. Um, that's something that my colleague Pablo Moore has taken a, a very rooted vested interest in is trying to preserve some of that history. And, and sometimes it's talking to a player from the old NASL or, or cataloging like the best of Johan Cruyff, George Best or Diego Maradona playing a game up in Toronto. Sometimes it is actually going much further back too. sometimes it is, in my case, making sure that people don't forget the NASL happened for six <laughs> years in the 2010s yeah. because there was some really good soccer being played there. Mm -hmm. So it's important. And we're still having trouble getting people on board with USL in San Diego. So, really, do you think so? Yeah. yeah. How would you yeah. assess your one overall? I'm um, sorry if you've done this on a different episode. No, thank you for <laughs> thank you for asking us a question. I really love that. It's yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of fun. Um, no, for me specifically. So I'm completely new. Like I have no idea about the league. Really, I mean, I heard of it, but I didn't follow any teams or. Right, um, but I was involved with NPSL, and then we had a failed MLS campaign, you know, bringing MLS here. That's right. And I, you know, super involved Arsenal fan. I don't know if you could see mm -hmm. you know, anyone. We try so, to forget. I'm a big Deltas fan personally. Yeah. So. It's nice. Yeah. So like. <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. Arsenal fan, NPSL. Me, yeah. Me, he, people here were like. You know, they know, okay, you're a soccer fan. Great, Marissa, like, cool. But, like, they still, the only people that were um, excited for it were people that were involved with soccer already, like, at the EPL level, really. Mm -hmm. As far as I, you know, my experience, um, there was a few USL people, like Alan, 
and maybe DK. I don't know if you know DK, like all the people that kind of like brought us into like the USL, like from the beginning and soccer city. But then like the people that have not had any touch with like the, or don't follow EPL, like really closely, they're still kind of like, what, like we have a team, like what's going on? Like, what is that? You do a podcast for the team. Like what, (laughs) what, what's the name? And then, you know, this year, you know, we, we are the team and all the, you know, of course, Landon and with everything that happened at that last game kind of forced us into the, the spotlight, in right. a, you know, right. sadly for that reason, you know, I mean, but also good in a way that it brought some publicity sure. to the league yeah. itself, you know, so. Right. And that's, that's tough too, is that major league soccer isn't even treated like it's a major league in the United States. So when you're the second division or the third division, if you're a league one club of a sport, that's not seen as a major sport, good luck, like trying to break into into the zeitgeist for anything. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. like in the case of, I mean, that night and that game in particular, like Mm -hmm. the thing that's going to pierce the sharpest is going to be like a a nasty moment like that. It's not going to necessarily be, to 35 clubs, much like every other club in American sports has a pride night. Now that story is not going to be pushed out into the surface anymore. Like it's going to unfortunately be something that's um, what we'll call a learning moment rather than a a triumph maybe. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, one example, like our local sports radio, like they didn't talk about loyal. I mean, I'm not mad at it. It's kind of a different experience when like it's really just like five media podcast people showing up and it's not like this big spectacle. So I kind of, you know, shortened season, all of that COVID, but they didn't get to talk about them on the radio until this incident of the Mm. last game. And I'm like, you know, they played a whole season and they were like, you know, got a little bit better towards the end, but you know, unfortunately, I mean, mean Maybe it forces it on the radar for next year. Yeah. We'll that's, see. The, that's the goal, I guess. Well, yeah. I mean, I think the slow start of our club really didn't help at all either. Like, how can you pump up a, a town that doesn't really follow lower league soccer or whatever and then yeah. say, hey, come watch this? Well, you can't watch it. But, you know, <laughs> right. Right. Go buy a subscription to a streaming service and yeah, see exactly. what we're like. It's yeah. a much harder sales pitch, yeah. but it's great for fans who are already there. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah my <laughs> perspective on San Diego is a little bit different because I covered Orange County last season. Okay. And like I see San Diego, like all of the press they got at the very beginning was super cool because Orange County gets like nothing. Like they signed Michael Orozco and they're like, we're going to put up this, like they hired a new guy. He's great. Jeff, I love him. They're like, we're going to put up this thing. We're going to do like video interviews with him and it's going to be great for the press. And like, I looked at the other, the other guy from the, the orange and black soccer cast, just like a podcast or BGN. Yep. We're like, what, yep. w- what press it's me and that guy. That's it. Just the two of us. <laughs> and like, literally it was one other guy from like a, like a really small Orange County newspaper. And then it was me mm. with a cell phone interviewing Michael Orozco. And I was like, this I is really cool. Phone. By the way, I use a cell phone. No hate. Right. I was like, this is oh. really cool for me and for mm-hmm. the podcast. But like, mm-hmm. I saw San Diego's way, like the type of press they were getting, but most of it was driven by who they hired as a coach, not necessarily 
the team or the you know USL yeah. in general, but that's how they got people in the door. Mm-hmm. And I think if San Diego has a full season like they did and had fans in the stands, especially that second mm-hmm. half of the season, I think you'd get, you know, five, six thousand people committed mm-hmm. to show mm-hmm. up every week. You know what's um, interesting about those? Like the coach was the only thing they wrote about, and it was just the one time. What's interesting is that a lot of traditional publications, and maybe this is pulling back the curtain way further than anyone wants to see. And if this is too inside baseball, just like mute me and move on. Like that's great. But um, what tends to happen is they will clubs will push a new head coach the hardest of any announcement that they'll make any given one to three years, save for like a stadium stadiums now have become the new sort of like top of the pyramid. But um, beyond that, it is still a head coach. It's not a player signing. It's not a good result. It's not clinching the postseason. It's a head coach signing. And so a lot of publications that the more traditional sort of publications and, and I will include actually like local TV news broadcasts into this as well, but like the local platforms will tend to use that as a litmus test. And they'll say, okay, how do people respond to this? And people might not think to check them for updates on if, if it's not a case of Landon Donovan, right? If it's a case of Troy Lissent going to New Mexico, co-coach of the year this year, which don't get me started about the co-coach thing. Um, Troy Lissent gets appointed. Fantastic. Love it. So they will go to the press conference and he's a fantastic guy. He's one of the best interviews in the entirety of American soccer. I've got plenty of time for Charlie Sand, but let's say it doesn't like burn up the Albuquerque press. Right. And people are like, okay, well, it's a first time head coach. Like he doesn't have the same sort of pull. Like, what am I going to look at? Oh, he was an assistant at the Charlotte independence. Okay. Let me look at what they did last year. Oh, they finished 11th in the East. Like, why am I excited about this guy? And then they wouldn't like, readers then will suddenly be like oh okay well they're not going to cover this team much anymore or okay i didn't think to check this newspaper at all i had no idea so then they'll cover games less whereas if suddenly like again you hire landon donovan you hire um uh i'm trying to think if there's been like a similar head coach hire i think donovan was kind of the first of his kind in terms of like a truly well eric winalda okay you hire an eric winalda and if that went over well in your market uh, and that was the way that you judged the audience because that's the thing that the team, again, pushed you on the hardest. The thing that they said was the most important and that didn't even get results. They're not going to cover your team. If it does the opposite, then they'll do much more. It's really interesting. New Mexico is a fascinating case. I think I, it's good that I use them as an example because that so clearly hasn't been the reality for them. Um, with what they've done in Albuquerque and broader New Mexico in, in general. I hope they actually get to play games in New Mexico next year. That might be a nice little perk for them. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Chris is missing out on his New Mexico talk. Um, <laughs> that's where he lives. He lives in New Mexico. Oh, I, so, I, I, yeah. I grabbed an obby. You're good. Um, so what has it been like working for the athletic being one of the few like kind of national voices covering USL. Like there's so few people that are like, I don't want to say getting paid to cover the USL as a national because there are people who do it like me for free. Like this is our hobby. Oh, and and you, you all do it better than I do. Let's start with that. Like, I I just want, I genuinely want to say this. Like every time I, 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 this especially came up when I had to submit my awards ballot this year. Where because the games were so thick and fast and because being a national, I'm sorry, you can finish your question if you want to. I'm just blowing smoke up your butts. And if you don't want that, like, I get it. Go ahead. Uh, I'm not going to stop you. 
<laughs> of course you're not, right? Just keep drinking. Uh, but what happens is like I get that ballot and because as a national reporter, I'm not, I can't focus on uh, what's uh, 17 times two, 34 games every single week. I can't mm-hmm. do that. Like I just humanly cannot find the time to do that and still uh, stay sane. So as a result of that, like I'm, I'm, I'm tripped up into watching the same teams once in a while, or I will identify the teams that might make the postseason or the teams that have better storylines, the teams that have, you know, like, I don't know, pull, whatever you want to define it as um, shout out Phoenix. Uh, you then might not see who's actually playing well in the entire league. If you're not watching the right groups all the time, like I didn't watch much beyond Pittsburgh playing Hartford directly. I wouldn't watch how Red Bulls and Philly too and Loudon, their other groupmates were doing. I did not watch those games. So like, I didn't know if I should have included their defender in my best 11. Whereas all of you have this, this incredible network of just like shared knowledge. And you're also good usually about like promoting each other's work and stuff where I think you tend to have a better sense when it comes to these award ballots. Um, I, which still leads to an MVP vote, which is just like the three biggest name attackers in the USL, which whatever. But um, yeah, I, I think that in general, like don't discount what you do and the quality of what you do because you know that team better than I possibly could where I'm sitting, for an example. And that's how the USL show won Pickums this year, is just a collective, a collective mm-hmm. like check on each other that none of us are. I can't believe that you didn't have to like have your reckoning for picking the Tampa Bay Rowdies and Solomon Asante scoring the match winning game. Uh... I forgot about that until just now. But. Ha- I wish that game would have happened just so that I could have tweeted that screenshot with no uh, words to it. Just no context. So no. for the po- folks who don't know, so the league does pick them and USL show is a group of used to be six. Now it's five people who cover yeah. the league in some capacity um, across the U S me uh, pony from Sacramento. Uh, Ryan is in North Carolina, I believe uh, Evans in Pennsylvania and, uh, Phil is in St. Louis. So there's a, a good collection of knowledge. And literally what, what Pick'em is every week is Phil tweets out, hey, here's our here's our picks. What do we think? And we all pick our put our views in, and it's just an average. Like, if three people say this team's going to win, then we pick that team. Um, unless it's St. Louis in the first round, and that was all on Phil. Um, <laughs> he picked that. He's like, I'm going to go on a limb. We're going to pick it. And he was right. So oh, it made us look good. They were going to uh, win. They were going to so win. So it was – Three people picked Tampa Bay to win, but the three people who picked Tampa Bay to win picked different goal scorers who was going to score the winning goal Okay, behind the scenes. Uh, And then the two people who picked Phoenix to win both picked Solomon Asante. So it was like, we're just going to submit it. And it was like, there was literally a conversation. And I think Phil had to talk to the league. Okay. Like, nope, we're submitting this. This is what we're submitting. Oh, no, really? Like, we'll lose one of these and that's life. You'll still right. get more than uh, Devin will get in total. Trying True. for all five. So, like, that's True. fine. Yeah. And it was, it was a little hedging. I don't think it was even hedging our bets. Like, we weren't even, like, that slick about it. It was just, like, these are averages we're submitting. At this point, the season's almost over. You Most of us have – none of us have skin in the game. None of us are Tampa Bay fans. None of us are Phoenix fans. So, we're just going to go for it. So, Crazy. it led to like, – Actually, like, try to preview a game where you have no vested interest in it. That was it a is- leap. Genuinely, that, that didn't actually took me some getting used to. When Minnesota went to MLS, I buried my fandom with the NASL, which is 
so easy to do because there's such a difference between MLS and mm -hmm. second division. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, like the difference between covering a team or covering an opponent of a team that or whatever, like you you keep your network and then suddenly you're just like, oh, that part of the country. And you're trying to like zero in on it as best as you can. It's, it's a fascinating experience. Yeah, it's it's both freeing and terrifying at the same time. Terror freeing. Yeah. There you go. Terror We just got one. <laughs> Fair enough. Um so you've covered a lot for the athletic as we cover, you know, we talked about already. Um, so I would like to know if you um, have a favorite game that you've covered as a fan. I mean, you know, you haven't watched like 34 games every week, but like. Right, right, right. right. A favorite game that I've covered or that I've gone to yeah. as a fan? So okay. we'll do both, but so you can okay. start with whatever one you want. Like, obviously now you're like. The big wig at the athletic and you, you know you're covering this you know but like what you know what's your experience i mean and has that changed because i know like we're all like fans of the game right but then you make that switch and well it's different right like because yeah. it's, it's not, i'm not a fan of minnesota united and the team that i watch the most of in any given year on this continent is minnesota united and it's not to say that like i dislike them or whatever like i'm just like i've got a every bias whatever like i genuinely do try to keep it as team neutral as possible i i have no least favorite team in the united states i have no favorite team in the united states that's like genuinely if you were to like catch me watching games like my parents get frustrated because they'll call after minnesota united wins and they'll be excited and i'll say yeah ethan finley sent in a really nice cross and it's like okay great that's cool i have like they they get really upset about it so uh it's 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 funny how that all works out but um my favorite game not as a fan was a scrappy one zero and the nasl the cosmos were like capital c cosmos now they might seem just kind of like every other team in the country but back then it was like giovanni savarisi future mls cup winner right it's still their head coach and they've got some fantastic players there um, they had Raul, like the all-time leading goal scorer for Spain. Like it's just ridiculous. And he was just there and he like didn't have to run and he would score like 13 goals in 14 games. Like it was just stupid. And so this team was so infuriating to play in Minnesota United, no matter what they did, could never beat the Cosmos. And it was their last season. They knew they were going to MLS the following year. So they had one more home game in the spring. Um, and it was like the 90th minute where uh, Justin Davis, the former um, – uh, Nashville SC left back slash center back to USL fans was the left back long time in Minnesota. And he sent this like hopeful ball up to Christian Ramirez, who was able to put this fantastic touch on it and send it past Jimmy Maurer. That's three MLS players. I just named by the way on this play. And he scored it like just, just past Jimmy Maurer's cleat. And it was one zero and it was the only win that they ever had. And like their head coach at the time, Carl Craig is like a friend of mine too. So like, it was just fantastic. He was the one who was able to do this. And it was his first and only year as a head coach and the crowd, it was just, I've never heard that crowd of like 8,000 fans so loud. Like mm -hmm. it was just unbelievable. And then the five minutes where they're just clearance after clearance after clearance as the cosmos are trying to like, you know, equalize last minute or whatever. And they can't do it. It was just incredible. And then I had to throw on a shirt over my Jersey and go onto the field and hold up my <laughs> iPhone to do interviews. So that was one of my last games as a fan, I guess my, my favorite that I've been to since was probably 
2019 U.S. Open Cup, I was down in St. Louis and I looked at how the schedule was going to play out. I was already trying to book a trip. And, and when I do USL trips, I look at both teams in play so I can try to do stories on both of them and then league wide if there's angles that come up. Um, and so I was down there for St. Louis to talk about Anthony Pulis and they were playing North Carolina. It was Dave Sarakin's first year after he didn't get the USMS national team job after spending a year and a half as the interim coach. Um, and so I was like, great, here are my angles and I'm going to book it for Wednesday instead of Thursday, which is an absurdly long time to spend in St. Louis, Missouri. But I had told myself like, okay, but Wednesday, if they get a home game, then the U S open cup is going to be there and I'm going to be able to watch a game. So it worked out. They, they ended up hosting FC Cincinnati and it was Cincinnati. I mean, it was their first year in MLS and they sucked. And so there was like this whole sort of thing where US, every USL team wanted to draw Cincinnati to be like, Oh, we could still beat you when you could beat us last year. It's just like this whole sort of like mind boggling sort of experience, like inception in, in FC Cincinnati's locker room or whatever. And Russell Ciceroni was really pissed off that he didn't get a contract there. Um, and so it was just unbelievable watching that team play against like a former rival turned MLS team where they still recognize half the starting lineup. And Sam Fink scored a header um, in front of the Luligans in like the last minute of the game to knock out FC Cincinnati and the energy again in that stadium. Like I just have this fondness for like an organic, like you don't hear the the club song playing over this blaring speaker with 30,000 fans around you. Like there's, there's something that's just so crisp. Like when you can hear like a perfectly laced free kick, like hit the back of a net and it's just like that perfect ripple. Like it's like that sort of feeling where it's just satisfying, even if it's not as loud as some of the other stuff that goes on. So, mm-hmm. um, those would probably be my two favorite, certainly in recent memory, um, for both right. categories, I guess. I didn't go to any games in 2020. No. No, not no. one. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm, that game. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I miss it so much, but I miss it as much as everyone else does. And, like, yeah. it just felt yeah. weird to go to empty stadiums, which I could have done. And, so, no. Yeah, I, I mean, I I went to most all the loyal matches. Uh mm-hmm. It still was very weird. Obviously, the first one was amazing because it oh, was yeah. everyone coming together. And I always talk about this because it's like my whole soccer family was there. Like every single person, no matter what team you rooted for, we were there, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then, yeah. You know, then, you know, COVID happened and, you know, they limit everyone or even the media, they limited. Yeah. Uh, okay. And Alan and Alan deferred uh, and allowed me to go as representative of our podcast um, up until the last match where both Alan and I were able to go. But it was still very weird. Like it's a weird, you feel like you're like watching practice, but it's like a game that counts. Right. I can't and, believe it. Yeah, I can't yeah. imagine. I mean, covering the Orlando tournament was the exact same vibe, like mm-hmm. the MLS tournament in Orlando, where it just, it it was like going watch like a high school age travel soccer tournament in the middle of the yeah. summer. Mm-hmm. Like there's three fields and there's a team warming up behind. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. a, it's definitely a different experience. I mean, I'm sure you've watched like the EPL and like in the beginning before they had the crowd noise, right? Like you hear them right. talking. Well, I'm watching much more of the championship these days. <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> I'm, I'm watching a lot of the second division, but yes, I have seen the EPL. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they get rid of it. I don't think I've watched a game. Merseyside in October. Do they not have crowd noise anymore with these? No, they do. But in the beginning, I think it was when they first came back or the Bundesliga came back and they had just the non-crowd noise. And it was really interesting to hear 
the I, language being used, not like foul language, but like what <laughs> language do they choose? And like, you know, with all of these different languages being spoken, but the same thing with being at the loyal match, you know, you're hearing like Charlie Adams and, and Jack Metcalf. And then they just like, you know, the way they talk to the players and each other, it's very interesting way yeah. of watching a match. So For sure. not to happen ever again in our, Hopefully we'll see. Hopefully not. When they start next year, right? Yeah. Yeah, that loyal match. That loyal match was the first one I went to. Like as like a legit real supporter. Like I played bass drum. Like like legit. Like not because Orange County would sit in the press box. I would take notes. I have on my computer. I yeah yeah yeah. I pretend I was a journalist for two hours, and people you know people yep. would let me do that, and it was fine. Uh, but that was like the first time I went like as a legit like full on supporter. Uh, mm -hmm. I had to like hide my media badge. Because if I like decided I wanted to, you know, give some shtick to somebody, I would like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not the press right now. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, it was very much like I, I perp, like I didn't wear my a kit. I just wore like a sweatshirt that had the oil on it. And even then, I was like, this might be a little bit too much. But to, no, that's that's like a tasteful towing of the line that I think is usually okay. Like people get if you want to wear the club stuff. Uh, my, my Greyhound wants to say hi, apparently. Winston, do you want to be in? Oh, hey, hey Winston. Hi, hi, Winston. The dogs always want to be part of our podcast. Yeah, I'm surprised mine are as well-behaved as they are. They usually make an audio appearance at some point in the podcast. Um, yeah, that St. That Louis game was nuts. I remember watching that, um, rooting for St. Louis the whole time. For that same reason, like you want that underdog to win, especially St. Right. Louis, they're a lovable team. They've been around for a while. And I saw them barely knock out the Des Moines Menace in person because it was weird because I'd also like I'd seen them be the upper team to almost lose. That game went to penalty kicks. Um, and it's just, you know, to see that role reverse for the same team within the same tournament was was a really cool experience that like doesn't happen to people who live in the Midwest because there are like five professional teams in the Midwest and that's it. And they're all like 700 miles apart. <laughs> I don't know why I cover this league when there isn't a single team in it. It like within a thousand miles of me, or it feels like it. Like it's absurd. Like I have yeah. to anyway. So, what do you think? Looking forward a little bit to next year. What do you think are some of the more outside of like obviously the COVID stuff and coming back? What do you think are some of the more compelling storylines in the USL for the next coming season? I think one thing. I don't think a lot of people were expecting there to be as much movement up, or let me rephrase this. I'm not expecting there to be as much movement from the USL to MLS, whether you're a player or a coach, as there was in the previous winter. I don't think there's going to be as much of that simply because I don't think there will be, especially on the coaching side, and sometimes it'll go unreported, but there's an assistant who will jump up or like an Anthony Pulis where he'll go be an assistant at the MLS club and you don't really hear about it. Uh, except for the announcement day. And now like no one remembers that he's still a coach at inner Miami, um, which is true. He is, but like, <laughs> I don't expect as much because there won't be as many coaching vacancies. There won't be, because I think that a lot of teams aside from what is it? DC, LA, Atlanta have coaching vacancies right now in MLS, but I don't think there will be nearly as many teams who want to pay for two head coaches at the same time, which means if you have a guaranteed contract for 21, you're coming back. And I, I think that, in the past, there are teams who will pay out two and a half additional years of a coach that they don't believe in anymore and make that change, and they'll just eat that cost or whatever. Um, and it's happened a couple of times in recent years, but with COVID, like this is the other knock on side of it. It's not just 
games. It's not just the um, the stadium atmosphere. It's not just whether or not you're going to be able to do public events and do ticket raisers outside of games. The reality is clubs are going to be more hesitant to give raises to players maybe, which means that a player might leave and go take like 5% instead of the 15 they're asking for at a different club. And more players might move if they're out of contract. There might be players who have option years who will now get declined because a club wants to find someone who's younger and cheaper who automatically would have been um, picked up any other off season. Like, I think that a lot more of these cases will happen this winter because teams were going to look for the most cost-effective way to stop the bleeding and make sure that 21, if, you know, touch wood, that the world's able to open again in May, which is the latest estimate that I'm hearing from uh, University of Minnesota. Um, if that's the case, like, you wait until August and you at least recoup a little bit more and then you say, actually, this coach isn't working or, or we're going to need to go spend a small transfer fee in the USL that we weren't told that we're going to spend, whatever it is. Um, so I, I think that that more homogenized, uh, I love you back, um, the more homogenized sort of feel of it, where it's just like um, the players are just shuffling. They're not like moving up and down, right? Or they're moving down, but they're not moving up, which means that the players who are down are moving down to League One, and then the League One players are going nowhere or whatever, mm -hmm. or they're switching over to Nisa and getting out of the ecosystem entirely. Like th these are all realistic. So um I think that the transfer market, I mean, like today, this afternoon, I reported that Chris Wien's going to Orange County. He's from Orange. He's, you know, just kind of returning home, which is a really cool story. Um, and th there will be transfer news that I break tomorrow that I'm sitting on because it's a terrible night to do player transfers. So uh, watch my Twitter feed tomorrow. Um, but like, that's not a move involving MLS at all. So if that's the case, like, and you don't have the the, the players making the move, and I know it, it's also different, I should say, because there isn't a USL team that's moving up to MLS from the USL. And two years ago, you had FC Cincinnati, which meant that you would automatically have, uh, what, what did they bring, like 12 players or whatever up, um, or Nashville, who brought up five or six this year. You don't have that same equivalent yet for another couple of years until Sacramento goes. So as a result of that, like you have even less shuffling of teams, which means you have less shuffling of players. Um, I, I think that all of that put together means that like as much as I would love to give you an answer that doesn't have to do with COVID, I think that's impossible. I really do. It's so still you think, COVID. You think that's why Lou City announced today they're bringing back like tons, like they announced, I don't remember the count, but it was tons of players they announced today as far as here's all the players we're bringing back. What's right. up, Chris? Chris, hello. You missed hey. all the you missed all the New Mexico love, and we're not going back to recover it. Sorry, hey, it's, it. it's cool. It's cool. No, you know, I, I, I want to actually say I'm sorry, guys. You know, it's funny because uh, I sat down for a minute. I was like, you know, I was all excited to to jump on this episode. I was getting the snacks and everything already. It's and, still uh, going, by the way. Yeah. Well, you know what? <laughs> well, you know what's funny is uh, I've literally sat up the last three nights. Um, I just have not been able to sleep. You probably send my endless Jeopardy entries like every hour, and you know, and it's finally caught up with me. So, <laughs> so you got to That's okay. Yeah, it's crazy. So, anyways, I'm here, but I've been enjoying you, you the voice. Came right at the at the time, we're actually going to like switch it. I think a little bit. Thank you, Jeff, for like 
not telling us what's going to happen next season, but that's okay. We'll bring you back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but no, it's okay. Um, shout out to Travis for finally joining the stream. He, he wanted me to like tell you that he loved you, but I was like, no, you, but you come on, you come on the thing, leave a comment. And then you shout him, shout him out, and he's like, ooh. We, we all need more love. I don't know. Right. <laughs> like, that's the other thing I'd like to see in 2021. <laughs> let's just uh, let's get a little more love out there. That would be not a bad world at all. Um, so, okay. So you you posted a tweet um, late, uh, a couple days ago. It's going to go any direction. Yeah, so, but it was which, like not related. No, okay, like I liked it a lot because it opened up conversation within my group chat. So like, I really need to know this. Like, what's the name of your group chat? Or oh yeah, like, Ooh, and it got tons of engagement. I was real. I was like, yes, I love this one. Like, but I, I would like to know. Um, I mean, like a couple of my friends and I have like hot take FC. Is where mm. all of our hot takes live. Um, we, I've got, I, I, I've got one that's called 401k. That like is <laughs> no other context. My my tweet was there's no context to any of these. So I have one that's called right. 401k. I have one that's called the Alliance. Um, I have one that's called. Okay, well this is 506 crew, which is just I live in a duplex. So my upstairs neighbors and I have a. A text said, um, <laughs> the agenda is another one. Like, I don't know. The agenda is probably the funniest one um, for reasons that don't matter. <laughs> I, just need to, I just need to know if you got one where it's like, hey, I ordered pizza. Does anyone else want some? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I should. Um, I also have one that's called subpar compositions. Actually, that's one that I forgot, uh, <laughs> which is just everyone has their like, let's just like laugh at dumb stuff in soccer or the media or the world or the combination of the three. Um, everyone has that just like take the piss sort of chat and that one's subpar compositions. So nice. man, I, I love Jeff dude, honestly, like, Aww. you know, like since I started reading the athletic, but, it, but it really is like, he's just on the minute, like with the tweets and like, you can kind of, <laughs> if it, it's if, I spend way too much time online. Don't I? If yeah, Ruder didn't say it. <laughs> I need to. Thank you. I appreciate that. I do need to work on that. I am very online. Uh, I've been, I've become made very aware of that over the last month and a half. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, uh, very online week too. To be fair, our our resident designer who actually designed our Fairpod logo said he's gonna make a hot take kit right now. Right. Uh, our friends two balls and a mic. They want to get into that group chat. Yeah. It's an easy chat, right? Like I'm sure 50 of you have hot take FCs, but it's yeah. We I have a group chat with the people that I know from our soccer bar it's called Bluefoot Massive, which is mm -hmm. so it's like all the fans that watch the club so like, at Bluefoot. Yeah, so that's pretty Maybe. cool. Great. Uh, I don't know. What about you, Alan? Do you have any? Do you name your group chats? No. My group chat name, no, my group chat names are the people's names who are in it so I can find them faster because <laughs> I don't want to like I between work and so I have like a teacher group chat that I didn't name uh, sure. and then this one and then orange and black and then look at this beer delivery. Beautiful. Yeah. Ooh, we, we got a we got a gunnel bright and balmy grapefruit IPA with buckwheat notes. 
beautiful Ooh, orange can here. Um, I don't know. I don't make it up. Um, I don't name <laughs> my group chats because I'm not that creative. They're just like the people's uh, names, so I can search who I want to text. And you then... can still search. You can still search. Yeah, okay. I mean, my wife has one with a bunch of our friends, just called Mean Girls, and it's like there you go. So like, I live vicariously through her group chat. Um, That's the right. saddest, most 2020 sentence I think I've ever heard. I live through someone else's group chat. <laughs> oh, that's dark. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Chris, do you have any group chats that are named? Uh, uh, yeah, ours is called Drip Drip FC. Nice. FC. I like that. Yeah. So, and, you know, so every time, like, you guys send the text, it comes through, like, drip, 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 drip. Nice. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a, there's like a, uh, a sound bite too that plays. It's kind of crazy. Why is it always FC? Yeah. <laughs> We're in the United States. It's soccer, right? Like, why aren't we? I, I'm FC. suddenly realizing this about Hot Take FC too. Like, why aren't we SC? Yeah. And would they care if I change it? I'm going to change it right now. I'm going to change the name to Hot Take SC and see if anyone says anything about it. Just straight do AC like Athletic Club. Atletico, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Atletico. That is, if yeah, we have to do it. To a club will be on, the, on the flip side, living this close to the border <laughs> with a lot of a lot of Liga Mekis team followers, um, mm-hmm. FC is a little bit more like in the lexicon. Um, but I am on board with that as well. I enjoy a nice, really nice SC in uh, some of our soccer communities. Some um, are ill advised, like no. St. Louis City SC is mm-hmm. an awful name to say out loud. It looks good. At, in writing the new MLS brand, yeah. like say it out loud and like, oh, if you have an any sort of city, unfortunately, like, that's a very difficult team name. Yeah. If you have a list or if you have anything else, like it's there's it's always a the new soft sounds. There's always the new Charlotte one, CLTFC. <laughs> oh yeah, that's ooh, that's <laughs> that's asking for trouble. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a good one. That's a good one, Travis. Tom and Jerry, and then Jerry stopped replying. That's <laughs> 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 sick. Uh, <laughs> Tom must oh, have got Beautiful. It. So uh, we did talk about snacks earlier today, and we said this was a snack-friendly podcast. That is true. So we're going to ask a little bit about snacks and quarantine recipes, because this is something that we've asked some of the players. So what was your favorite quarantine recipe to make? I think, so we're getting up to, what is this, wave four? Third wave? <laughs> Where are we at? What's the clock? I can't oh see. November. Did we ever stop the first one? I think it was just like a like a little bit of like a, well, no, we're all right. No, no. If we're honest, we're at like halftime. <laughs> yeah, so, that's just probably right. Unfortunately, that's where we're at. But uh, how much can any of us really do individually? Um, yeah, I I think that early on, Minnesota, if you haven't heard, gets very cold in the winter, and uh, you there's nothing better than sitting down for like just like something and like on the side of it just like a baked potato because it's just so like hearty and that heat doesn't leave you and it's great. So my wife and I switch from like making hash browns for breakfast and that takes time and frying and all that and chopping up and like mincing potatoes. And like, who would do that when you could just make a baked potato in the morning and then treat it the exact same way. But then we also realize it's basically more of a taco than it is like a hash brown platter. So then you're basically dressing it like you would dress a taco. And so it was like baked potato tacos for breakfast with eggs. Um, That was Mm -hmm. like the best because it's easy. It's flexible. 
like if you forgot to grocery shop for one item, you can still have it totally normal. Um, it's dependable. We took the summer off, so we're looking forward to it. It's still 60 in Minnesota, so not yet, but we'll get there. That was probably the best. If I'm just truly thinking of like, what is the recipe from quarantine that feels struggly, but also satisfying? I mean, like, I don't know, like I've, I've baked the breads, I've made the soups, I've eaten <laughs> the meat. Like it's, I don't know. None what of them is- were really like, this is something I could have only done with like the time I have now. Like okay. none of them were like that. It was just like, oh, this is like a really nice dish I've been meaning to make with like shrimp. I don't know. Like it's not exciting. <laughs> my, my shrimp flour toss were very good a couple of weeks ago. I will stand with those. So. Okay. Okay. I I, I, I want to. I just want to take it deeper. I want to know. Okay. Like I mean, because that sounds all put together. But mm-hmm. it, I mean, I want to know. Like, what is the craziest snack you've made? Like, I mean where you had to use like, you know, the ends of the bread. I mean, like, this is like a moment you would probably never publish ever. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to know about one of those snacks. <laughs> yeah. Um, I tried. This was like one of the last bar nights I went out before the world stopped. So it was like February. It's a cold night. And I'm out drinking. I end up at a karaoke night. That was something that I got into randomly last winter. Is I suddenly was like, you know what? I will do my acapella and sing the Bee Gees or I'll sing Mulan songs or whatever. <laughs> and people will buy me shots and it's great. And then I will keep doing it. I'm still in my 20s. So I, um, I was coming back from karaoke awfully late. And I decided apparently that buttered noodles sounded killer. And so I started boiling water. And apparently I like sat down longer than I thought when I was just like trying to sober up and drinking some water and catching up on my phone and the boiling water ended up sending up the smoke alarms. So like apparently what that moment taught me at 2 a.m. was that buttered noodles are like still like a four-year-old, like the key to my heart. So I haven't had them since out of fear. I think like that just that changes a man, but that was something I really appreciated. <laughs> over the last year. That's not like the craziest thing I've done, but that is by far the stupidest thing that hey, I've done we, in the last year that I would have never reported otherwise. But the season's you, over, so who cares? You just primered the craziest thing you've ever done, so I'd like yeah. to hear that one. <laughs> the craziest thing I've ever done, I don't know. I, I, I would need like a minute to like sit and stare out a rainy window to truly know what I've done. Man, so while, while he's thinking about that hot minute, let me tell you about a story uh, this is one I think it's from. This is in the vault. I don't think I've told anyone this one. I sat, I sat down one night. This is a this <laughs> is like the Rudy Giuliani camera angle. I am petting my gray house. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, sorry. That's, that's a judgment for you. Terrible live stream. Yeah, yeah, that it's podcast etiquette. That was not live okay. <laughs> it's, it's okay, man. We'll you, just clip you that up out. and like. You know, uh, up on our social, yeah. We'll just you know freeze frame and then put like a dog there or something for you later on as make start making okay. memes. Uh, no, nah, you know, last season I this is kind of like obviously outside of the quarantine, but uh, along those lines, I really wanted some apple, like some Dutch apple pie, right? Like just this yeah. really nice Marie yeah. Calendar's status, like you know those big hearty pies. I haven't had any any dinner, but I'm like, I'm just going to eat this pie, right? So I go to throw it in the oven. You know, it's it's about 2 a.m., so it's a good time to make be making pie like that. And then I'm also doing laundry as well. 
and it's like cold. So I'm, I'm, I've put in the first load of laundry. I got the pie going. And then I'm sitting there for a little bit, drinking some brews. And then I just doze off, right? Completely pass up. So about an hour and a half later, I'm like, oh, shoot. I got to go put the clothes in the dryer. Completely forgot about the pie. Oh, no. So no. I go to the pie, and the pie is, like, just black. Just, like, yeah. I was, like, and I still oh. even, I still, because I wanted it so bad, went in with, like, some, like, knife and just tried to see if I can get, like, in the middle. And there was still, like, this little piece that was, like, pearl <laughs> in the oyster. I, I took an ice cream scooper, got that piece out, ate it. <laughs> just, like, like I'm glad. And I never made Marie Counters again because I was, like, you know what? I wasted it. That was like a, that's like a fifteen dollar buy. That was a yeah. chance. Yeah, and and with that you yeah. expect results, of course, when you get a fifteen dollar buy. We've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> we need to have a, a separate podcast, Chris, with you and your cooking adventures. Seriously. Right, you burnt yourself making steak. You <laughs> so totally destroyed a pie by falling asleep. You burnt his belly button. Yeah, I have, I have a surf a surf board star on my belly button. It looks like it's from from making steak in the morning. Oh, I thought you meant like a tattoo, and I was really excited about that. It's almost like a tattoo. Jeffrey's got a tattoo story. (laughs) Dogs, though. I don't know. This is a tattoo story. Yeah, that looks like the loyal dog. It actually does. Dog. I did. I think so. I know. know. This is the old Boston Revolution logo in 1995, supposedly. Nice. Supposedly, allegedly. <laughs> yeah, Chris, your your cooking stories always end in like things that sound painful. Um, well, well, I mean, look, to my mission, it's this, right? Like, I like to think that I can throw down some things in the kitchen, and when it comes down to it, like I will put some crazy stuff together to make it happen. Like, like Jeff's telling us that he's like gutted out potatoes and put other stuff in them, like. I would probably do that too if I didn't have any bowls in my apartment. I'd probably take a potato and make it into like an ice cream bowl and then put vanilla ice cream in there and just get down and have this baked but, potato. Okay, but I see that face. But to be fair, thinking about this, like who among us has not dipped fries in a milkshake or an ice cream cone? Same. Yeah, I have. Sure. So, like, you do that and now you've got the potato. I'm working with you. I've never thought of this before. But. <laughs> Hypothetically, Hypothetically, like it's just it's like turning it from like um oh. like you're dipping it to it's the cone suddenly. Well, what about if you do like a waffle sundae with like a waffle fry with yes. the ice cream? Yes. And then like yeah, that's great. see I, I mean I Chris is like, whoa. <laughs> you, you probably just set up other parts of my night, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> you know. I mean, I like fair- to be fair, Jeff, this is not the first podcast episode where we have created food dishes just no, that's randomly. So, like, I don't, I, I know I said this before recording, but I don't have a podcast, so I just steal other people's shows for like yeah. fleeting moments and leave. <laughs> um, and like, I'm bummed because I thought I could be like, okay, this is the one I plant my flag. I created food ideas for not sober people or sober people to enjoy. 
boom, here's my flag, and then I leave, and then I do another show. But now I don't have a niche. Like that's too bad. Anyway, so to be fair, it was Sal Zizzo, and we were talking oh, that's about his. Yeah, that's a good company. That's fine. That's great. And that's that was good. our first oh, one. That was so long ago that people don't remember. I'm yeah, uh, so I'm sorry I brought it up, too. but I'm that feeling like it's, a, it's. I'm feeling like it's Ruder's Russet though. Ruder's Russet. That's really good. And um, whatever, whatever can go in it. There you go. So it's so easy because if you're like I don't know if, if you're like a little hungover or you're really tired, which one or the other every morning, right? Like you do that in the morning and you just have to preheat it. You have to do the olive oil rub with the salt and pepper on the outside, poke the holes, then you just throw it on the grate for 50 minutes, and then you're coming to you have your caffeine, you watch a little bit of whatever game's on, potatoes ready at halftime. If you put it in at kickoff, like it's perfect. It's great. Mm. In full I need trans- to tell people on this as Ruders, much Ruders, as Ruders rested, man. Ruders rested. Um, I got a question for you, Ruder, actually. You know, you always come up with those give me eight word things. And I started to thinking about it the other day. It was like it was like my mind went to like Ruderland. And I was like, is is he like asking for like what do you do with those? Right? Eight word eight word reactions. Wouldn't it be amazing if I just didn't do a thing? If I just started this random like group of like 200 something Minnesota United fans who will always give me eight words of their thoughts and then nothing happened with it. Um, that would actually be so good. Um, what I actually do with those, I, I, I did it when I was starting at the athletic. Okay. So I started as a freelancer in 2018. Um, and, and when I was a freelancer, I was a full-time freelancer at a certain point, which means I was paid by the number of articles in a week. And I only had a number of articles of a week if I did work. And I only did work if I had ideas and ideas were very hard to come by. So what ended up happening is that like, I created this series called the morning loon, which is the only thing that's like maintained about my coverage in the athletic over the last two and a half years. Um, where after most Minnesota United games, I'm going ahead and I'm writing something of a recap. It's a little more column-y. I won't do the sort of like in the 45th minute, Justin Davis sent the ball up to Christian Ramirez sort of commentary that I did earlier. Like all I'm doing is just like, I'll, I'll talk through a goal tactically, suddenly do a little analysis and I'll go back to kind of the narrative of what's going on with this team. And the idea is that if you read number one through 34 of an MLS season, usually you would have a really good sense of what this team was every step of the way. So I, I was doing that as like an anchor column thing. And I was trying to think of a way to get more people to read this so that they would see this as being something different than like what goes up in the Pioneer Press or the Star Tribune, the two newspapers in the Twin Cities. Um, and so I said, let's get your eight word reactions. It was just a random number off the top of my head. Um, and it, it, what I found eventually is that people enjoyed it because it really forced them to like, if I had to boil this game down to it, and I'm either going to be really thoughtful with it. I'm either going to be very factual with it and just say eight words of, truth which still has value in my eyes or it would be uh like people trying to be really funny and creative about this dumb moment that i might have tweeted about that then just really panders to me and i end up publishing it and what i would do is i would choose five of these and put them at the bottom and what i found more and more now this is my third year of doing them people actually will just like tweet screenshots of like i'm in the athletic and it's like oh that's cool actually that's really dope i was just trying to get you to read it so that you could see if you made it but if you like it, I'll keep doing it. So um, it starts with that. Occasionally I'll do it for other games, but like I try not to do it. But now I will, like just for the sake of it. Yeah. Like I won't watch a Champions League game. I'll be like, let's get your word reactions to Real Madrid. 
versus Dynamo Kiev. And we'll just see how it goes, right? Like maybe random people in Kiev will give me eight words of thought. That'd be cool. That's pretty yeah. rad, actually. You could have a podcast with just eight words and then like end. That's a short podcast. That's a text yeah. tone. But it'd be yeah. so, it'd be so like, easy. Like, yeah, it would be. It, it probably, setting it up would be so much longer than recording. Right. I'm sure I would do multiple in a row, right? Like a yeah. Like you're recording a game soundtrack or something. Ba a batch record, yeah. I don't know. This went off the rails about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> no, this is this <laughs> is still entertaining. <laughs> this is on brand right now. Like yeah, this is perfect. This is what we're. This is what we love about. Uh, I do want to ask though. Now that we're a little bit silly, any loyal rumors you want to drop on? Ooh. I'm just gonna put you on the spot. You can, you can say no. I mean, I know one of the, the podcasts will immediately fighting, end, but. Mm -hmm. Uh, no say. Fair enough. Should we Man. be excited by this rumor? Like, is this something that we are? I would be. be. Okay. Yeah. All right. I would be. There you go. Uh, it's so a player related one. It's not like a. It's not just like a. You're getting a new shirt sponsor. Like, no. It's it's, it's an actual player. We don't so, need a new shirt sponsor. We have we the, best the best shirt best sponsor in the league. Sponsor. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. So I can wear this to work, and it still like represents the brewery. Work. That's great. Good for you. That's awesome, right? <laughs> so, so then I guess along those lines, and maybe it's been asked. You know, I, I apologize if it had been, but uh, like, do clubs just kind of go, "Hey, Ruder, I got something." Uh, Is that like how that kind of happens? Because like, <laughs> you know, other than having relationships established as a just a local uh, pundit. Mm -hmm. Um. So, clubs. Will never. Clubs will never <laughs> He's dancing around this one. I'm trying to find the nicest way to put this because they have very difficult jobs if you're a club PR person. But clubs will never tell you news that's coming up about the club unless they don't think the news will sell itself. So, what you might hear about is say a USL club is partnering with a European club. And okay, you're gonna need maybe a more like a broader audience. You don't you don't necessarily think the people of your city, who again like second division soccer is the height of professional soccer in their eyes. Like maybe they won't understand why it's cool that you're partnering with a club in the second division of England. But people might think it's very cool if they're a soccer fan. So you reach out to a writer and say, hey, do you want to like hype this up? And those stories never really perform well for a writer because it's a fact sheet. You're reading off the thing that they're announcing, and it's never earnest or whatever. Um, clubs don't like when writers report news that they are excited to announce for the first time because they look at it as SEO moments. This is so in the weeds and I'm sorry if this okay, is, I know what you no, mean. no, no, you're good. I totally get that moment too. Great. I don't think any of this, by the way, like discredits the work they do either. I'm just trying to put you in the perspective because I'm actually friends with like several people who work in public relations in the world. And so I've been able to like pick their brains on this because I interact with them so often that I feel like I need to understand it more. And like, I get it. Like if you don't think this player signing on its own is going to be like, let's get excited. Let's go. Most player signings will because you can hype them as either experienced, uh, promising if they're young, um, or proven if they're like in their prime. You can use one of those three words and the casual fan of your team who's on your email list, your season ticket holder, is going to say, oh, that sounds really cool. We got someone who's promising. We got someone who's very experienced, which means they're really old and cheap. Um, 
or there's someone who's very young, but like they flamed out and they couldn't get minutes as an MLS player. So now they're in the USL for the first time. Right. So like you can use one of these three words point being, and player signings will always excite a fan base, but sometimes it's those partnership sort of stuff. It's the stadium deals. It's whatever, where they might try to send you a precursor of an email. Jersey design is another one that I've gotten recently and turned down. Um, but clubs don't like it when you're first because they feel like suddenly they won't get the traffic when in theory more fans know they should be excited and hoping it's true so they're following in my opinion i think it actually boosts things so that's that's part of it um uh, yeah no I, I mean it's all independent stuff like the uh I'm, I'm not the stuff that i have to report or that i find isn't always the glowingest of stuff so that stuff, I mean, clearly doesn't come from any club or whatever. I have sources um, or relationships, I should say, named relationships for interviews with a lot of people at a lot of clubs. But that doesn't mean that they're just, you know, so shooting not, to sign this player next. Yeah. So you're not ready to announce Aiden Quinn signing with the San Diego Loyal? <laughs> I'm not. Um, I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's cool, actually, to hear about that. I just, you know, I wonder if sometimes clubs just kind of go, Hey, we're, we're, we we want to send this player off. Let's uh, mm. let's let's send this one to Reuter for like the the championship seal, kind of like that. that yeah, we, that we hand job earlier. That's right. Yeah, that that was. Uh, I mean, I won't. I also never reveal a source. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, so like no, the counterpoint that. is like I can't I can't tell you where any of that stuff comes from. But if it did come from just like a sealed envelope on a table at Denny's, for example, where all secrets in journalism live. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's nothing like that either. Like, it's 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 really organic how it all works out. But um, no, I, I mean, like, they like to announce their own players, especially in terms of transfers. Clubs right. love to announce a player, and they will never willingly tell you <laughs> that you're right. So you you just have to get really good at confirming it on the outside. Mm-hmm. Right. For sure. Nice. Well, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for your time. Uh, you've been yeah. very very gracious and very informative and fun. Uh, I do want to say if you can DM or tweet at the Fairweather Pod count one of Jeff Reuter's group chat names, um, we will get in touch with you and I will we will send you gift you a year subscription to the athletic uh, mm-hmm. in honor of Jeff Reuter coming on tonight. Uh, so if you already have an, a subscription to athletic, uh, congratulations, you are uh, among the great uh, people who get to read Jeff Reuter all the time. Uh, if you do not have a subscription and you want one, if you can name one of Jeff Reuter's uh, group chat names, uh, we will uh, get in touch with you and we will uh, gift you a year subscription to The Athletic. Uh, Jeff, thank you for your time. Is there anything you want to leave us with um, besides how we can find you on the interwebs? Just like be nice to people. I don't know. Like, I, it's just, it's so everything is just always so angry and so tense all the time. And like, at the end of the day, if it's something about soccer, regardless of what it is, right? Like, unless it bleeds into something that's real world, it's soccer, it's a game. Like, don't don't let that be something that ruins your day. Don't let that be something that ruins a relationship or a potential relationship with somebody. Like, just like, we can turn it down to six once in a while. We don't always have to be operating at 11. So that's what I would leave people with. Just like, just breathe a bit. It helps, I promise it helps. So, thanks for having me. This is great. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. I mean, even the history. So, thank you. 
<laughs> you can find him at F, at Jeff Reuter on the Twitter machines uh, and read his stuff at The Athletic, uh, as well as some other sources. Um, Marissa, where can we find you? You can find me at hashtag Marissa, although I am trying to do a digital detox for a couple weeks because I'm getting overwhelmed. So, you know, check me out. Maybe send me a, a tweet. Maybe I'll see it. But I've got that digital detox run in right now. So mm. Mm. how about you, uh, Alan? Where can we find you? You can find me at A Underwood 40 on the Twitter machines. Yeah. Um, I will not be detoxing, although I probably should. Um my favorite detox is definitely from RuPaul's Drag Race, so um, I'll be leaving my detox there. Uh, Chris, where can we find you? Man, you guys can find me on Twitter at by Chris Walker. Um, you know, interact with me. You know, uh, comments on some of my wild, endless Jeopardy answers because it's getting straight silly on, <laughs> on my on my uh, Twitter. But thanks for waiting for me, guys. Yeah, no. of course. Um, <laughs> Just want to thank everyone, uh, Jeff, for coming by. Um, it's always great to uh, hear from someone covering the league on a more national level and picking his brain. Um, yeah, that was a great show. Uh, thank you for stopping by and leaving some comments in the comment section. Uh, Travis has already tweeted us, but he already has a subscription. So if you're not named Travis and you haven't tweeted us, you can still win the year subscription. Uh, thank you for stopping by, everybody. Uh, have a great time, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Go this and every episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. You can find other podcasts on bgn.fm. The Fairweather Podcast is also sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create a kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at icarusfc.com.